0: Listening to the broadcast basement on-demand radio network. It's the podcast. In the broadcast basement.
1: Broadcast
0: Welcome to episode 59 of Cinemental.
1: How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people
2: without brains do an awful lot of talking.
0: Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does?
1: How about new? No? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true.
2: And that my word of life is then true.
0: Um... Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovke, and as always, I'm joined by my friends, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger, the third. Our guest tonight, for whom which I had already penned a rough intro, sent me the following for his bio. Joe writes thrillers. He has sold a few million worldwide. To this, I'll add that his short story, Shapeshifters Anonymous, was recently adapted into the recent Creepshow Holiday Special on Shudder. Joe Conrath, welcome to Cinemental.
1: Happy to be
0: here, Steve. <laughs> well, that's good, because I hate for you to be here under duress. <laughs> yeah, I'm very
1: unhappy to be
0: here. L- Latham, Latham twisting your
1: arm or anything. Oh, that makes three of us. Okay, I got to go. This has been fun. <laughs> this has
0: been great. Uh, good <laughs> seeing everybody, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the flip side. Uh, so right, Let's go down the tubes. Yeah, let's go down the tubes. All right, we got to go someplace. Uh, so, Joe, you and Latham have been friends for how long? Forty years? Uh, Thirty. How many minutes. 40, 40, I'm sorry. Forty-one years. We've known each other 41
1: years. Forty-three. We've been friends for four uh, years. And not non-consecutively. <laughs> not consecutive years. No, I've, I've known Latham since we were nine. We met in 1979. Yeah, he was right. In fourth so grade. Forty-two years. Ah, uh,
0: 1979. Dracula yeah. with Frank Langella.
1: <laughs> you're reminiscing steve i know it happens
0: uh all right well you know what let's uh you know th- th- again j- thanks for coming on the show Joe. We appreciate it and happy uh, to be here and uh i will uh we should jump into and uh suffer from consumption i have uh, a rather large list of stuff i watched this week uh had a lot of stuff running while i was working uh highlights i'm gonna go i'm gonna start off with something if you haven't watched it uh, especially Latham and Hassan, uh, Joe. I don't know where your tastes run as far as classic movies. Uh, you know, black and white stuff, forties, fifties, sixties, or thirties, forties, fifties. I should say, but um, if you haven't seen it, I would suggest. I, honestly, anyone who's a fan of film, I, I would recommend watching this. So there's a there is a mini series, and I say mini series loosely because it's only three episodes, but technically it's still a mini series, I guess. It's three episodes. It's called Five Came Back. And if you oh, have, yeah, and if you have not watched this on Netflix, you need to go watch this immediately.
1: Is that the Lucille Ball one? No. Okay, then then Five Came Back, I think. Are you there's a movie that?
0: called there's a movie called Five Came Back, but Which, this is Lucille
1: Ball in the 30s.
0: Correct. But this right. is this is a documentary, and it has Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, Lawrence Kazdan, Guillermo del Toro, and Paul Greengrass discussing five film directors who went to serve our country during world war II at the heights of their careers, what they did during their service in war and what happened when they came back. And the five directors that they discuss are William Wyler, Frank Capra, George Stevens, John Ford, and John Houston. It is incredibly moving, incredibly interesting. You could argue that these directors came back from their experiences in war and ended up making the best films of their careers all after they came back. It's it's I, I can't, I can't say enough about this. It, 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 on, it, it moved me to, to nearly to tears by the end of it. And it was for not the reason you'd expect watching it. You watch this movie or this, this miniseries, and it takes you back to a point in time that is, I believe so completely lost on most of the generation that's around today and i don't think that there's a way for them to really to reach back and understand what it was like you know in that time frame and i think that this 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 series does a really incredible job of capturing that not only for just these five guys but just kind of in general and 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 watching it toward the end you just when you saw I mean, one of the guys was was present, was part of the was part of the group that were the first people, the first allied soldiers at Dachau. And he was part of that initial group. And he and his team just started shooting footage. They just started shooting everything. And it led to an eventual uh, a big documentary and all this other stuff that went on. But I mean, there is. There's so much going on in this this three part series, and it it is absolutely worth your time. And I I, I cannot say enough about it. I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll be watching it again. Something I generally don't do with documentaries, uh, but it is it is really
1: impressive. Well, you sold me. I'm going to go watch it now. Bye, guys. Well, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll <laughs> wait. thanks a lot. I'll uh, I'll
0: be back in three hours.
1: We'll, be, we'll just about be wrapping up the second movie.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait. We'll, wait. we'll wait. We'll do a live. We'll do a live watch. Uh, I watched uh, the Vast of Night on Amazon. Oh, wow, I have seen that. Did you watch it? I was the, I you were it the, when it
3: first
2: came out uh, back in April or May or whenever they were touting it.
0: Yeah, I, I have to say there there are some right up until probably the last 10 or 15 minutes of that movie, there are some really impressive just the physics and the mechanics of actual filmmaking there are some really, really impressive scenes done that whole opening sequence with the two, with the two characters walking and talking without, with that, with barely any cuts in it. I mean, that yeah. whole sequence, I, I I don't know how much of that was ad libbed or how much of that was scripted, but Holy shit, that, that was amazing watching that.
2: Well, yeah. And the, the scene in the middle of the movie where she's on the phone. Yes. Uh, that the switchboard like minutes long. That's, that's really good. But, yep. That's another one. Uh, unfortunately, I think the movie otherwise is fairly ordinary, but it but the but that aspect of it is is pretty unique. Those long takes, otherwise, I, it, I think the ending was just like, okay, you blew it. That's it. Goodbye. Yeah,
0: I was I was a little bummed by that. The rest of it was so strong. I, I I you know once again, you know, it's the it's the situation where you get into it, and you don't know how to end a story, and it's just like, all right, we'll punt. And I'm like, they had a great idea, and they just did not end it. It's a class classic
2: low-budget, independent film that it's has a the, good sci-fi idea, and then they just didn't know
1: what to do. It's the classic blunder. <laughs>
0: it is. So uh, I also watched, as a as a double feature that evening, I watched The Midnight Sky on Netflix. Oh, I'm, I would like to see uh, that. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. One. I heard
2: negative things about it, but it's hard to avoid that movie as, as a Netflix Pretty much subscriber. exactly
3: what you said about the last film. Was it with it was my opinion of Midnight Sky? That's what
2: I've heard too. That it's got a decent idea, and it just picks the worst way to go with it. Something like that. So.
0: Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I I can't see. I don't know where else you would go with it. I mean, I don't know what else you would want out of the ending. I mean, out of your out of your out of the options that are in front of you. I don't know. There's that many directions. I do. I do like the sort of if you want to call it a twist i did i did enjoy that aspect of the movie once once we've all seen it we can discuss a little further about it because i want to i want let or uh hasan made a comment a few weeks ago when he saw it about uh george clooney's character makes a decision that he was shaking his head at and and i'm i'm curious about which decision that is and i can either ask him at a different time or um yeah. We can, we no spoilers,
1: Steve. No spoilers.
0: No, no, no spoilers on that. I watched a bunch of documentaries, a bunch of uh, a middling, a uh, bunch of cryptozoic stuff. Uh, I got into a. Zoroastrian? You got into not, not, not Zoroastrian? Zoroastrian. Cryptozoic. Uh, I rewatched Enter the Dragon <laughs> this week, which was wow. uh, always fun.
2: Never seen it.
0: Watched a... We'll have our gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a horrid, horrid nineties uh, sci-fi underwater monster movie called The
1: Rift. Uh and a scene, that one. Huh? I do not recall that one. I remember when The Abyss, Leviathan, and Deep Star Six all came out within a couple of yeah, months right. of each other.
0: That's right. That's right. And then and the Rift had a um I
1: don't remember the Rift.
0: Rift has the... Jack Scalia. And uh, other than, oh, it has, uh, what's his face from Twin Peaks, the dad. Ray Wise. Ray Wise is the, he's, right. he's the other guy that, uh, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Arlie Ermy also is in it. Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Playing, they had a, they playing of a, all
0: things, a
2: high-up military guy. <laughs> they made a sequel to it, too, about the people that survived for the second movie and were floating on the water. It was called The Raft.
1: Wow, that just didn't land at all. Late. No. So uh, I also
0: finally watched uh, <laughs> Harlan Ellison's Dreams with Sharp Teeth, which uh, was oh, I have that fucking that entertaining movie. as hell. What is it, that a movie? You saw
3: it. You saw it. Where did you see it?
0: Uh, on no, uh, Netflix or Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Okay.
3: Amazon. Sorry. So you didn't see a lot. There's
0: a lot of supplemental material on the, um, on, the on the DVD. Oh, nice. Is it yeah, a movie or a just, miniseries? It's what a is? movie. It's about just Harlan Ellison. Just it's a very broad. Stroke overview of Harlan Ellison's career. Didn't he live in and Palatine? It's... No, he lived in L.A. Oh, it's sad now. What, what sci-fi author lived in Palatine, Joe? It's like what, Gordon dixon or no? Uh, someone,
2: someone pretty famous. No, Paul I remember we go through... or Orson Scott Card or no? Yeah, one of them, Frederick Pohl, maybe Frederick yeah.
0: Pohl. I thought the, uh, we went through this not that long ago. Yeah, you like, you like looked him up and like texted him to me. You're like, it was this guy. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And then I went over to his old house. That was a big mistake. Okay. Uh, I watched a really, and I found a really another really great filmmaker documentary on Netflix called, it's just called by Sidney Lumet. And it was apparently an interview that he did in 2007 uh, a couple years before he passed away and it's just him talking about his career and it's another one of those things where it's just him sitting and talking about being a director and filmmaking and it is so great so much fun to watch and listen to i would recommend that to anyone who uh... Latham
1: i think we saw a Sydney Lumet film together didn't we see the the one with Sydney uh, Portier and and Tom Berenger that, that was Lamette, right? Shoot to Kill.
2: He didn't direct that. Shoot to Kill. That was Roger Rogers Spottiswood, I believe.
1: Oh, well, never mind then.
2: Great. He did. But I'm um, pretty I sure saw that, I saw that right? with you. Did, I yeah. saw that in the theater. Yeah. I love Shoot to Kill. That's a, It's a great movie.
3: It's another fantastic Clancy Brown offering. Um, love
2: Clancy Better to Brown. burn out
1: than to fade away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's
2: not... <laughs> It's amazing no one used that plot twist that they used in that movie to that effect, or w- as well. At least from what I had seen before I saw Shoot to Kill. Maybe someone did, but
3: um, yeah, I don't know if I if I'd seen it now, I think I would see right through the plot twist because of all the
0: plot prior twists that have come out of- well, no, After
2: you know what you know what the twist is. The twist is you don't know who the killer is. You just know it's one of them, and you
3: don't know which one it is. Yeah, and I think, like I said, you think you would guess who it was. Yeah, because I because I would have known the demeanor of all the character actors that they would have, and oh, I would have well, been like, "That's true." Like Clancy Brown would not be in this movie unless he was the bad guy. <laughs> Fair enough. That's exactly where it would have went. It Which, it's right like right when you Highlander. That's too. why, like when you put Tom Skerritt in your in your film as the avuncular, like you know, dad figure, and he's like, "Oh, he's he's the bad guy. Oh, <laughs> he's secretly the bad guy. <laughs> secretly the bad guy." <laughs> The only except for Dallas, that it was the only like genuine hero uh, role that he had. And in... who? Top Gun? Uh, Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun. Y-
0: perhaps you're forgetting the film Alien.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I said except for Dallas.
0: Uh, Didn't he, I just say that?
1: Yeah, but I thought you meant the show. That. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. The character of Dallas. Okay.
3: I, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You say Hassan, Dallas. I'm, I'm thinking his TV show, not
2: like his
3: character.
0: Not like his character.
2: Hassan, pick something Steve knows about. Okay, come on. Yeah,
0: man. I'm sorry. God so forbid. I, apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I watched. Uh, I watched the the whole new miniseries that dropped on Netflix this morning. The history of swear words. It's mildly mm. amusing. Uh, I'm really glad they got Nick Cage to do that because that that really added to the humor. And the episodes are only 20 minutes long, so that helps. And mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm I, I got halfway through. I was started rewatching the Social Network, and I'm got halfway. Th- no. I got halfway through that. The and
2: social Dilemma or the, or the movie, the
0: Social Network. The Social Network. I I decided just threw it on as as to, and I and I, unfortunately I didn't hardly get anyone near what I wanted to get done with it because yeah. I just got it, it's it's so the the audio Android. from the audio the audio from that movie sucks you in so hard. That you just you can't not see what's happening at the same time because just watching those actors deliver that script is is just unbelievable. Joe,
1: have you seen it? He has not. No, Steve. Steve was talking it up early, and it's now on my to be watched list.
3: Are you a David Fincher? I always wonder or... if that first scene would have gone down the way it goes down if the the conversation had been slightly different. Like, I don't, you know, if the character had. Had the end of that scene had that planned when they sat down, or was the conversation just so bent that the character was like, "All right, you know what? F this."
1: <laughs> okay, if you, if you guys want, I want to see this. So, if you guys want to discuss it, I'll just mute my no, no uh, my I'm not my mic for a want second. To... If you wanna, to... no, no, want no, to... no, 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 to... no.
2: You have to see it. It's,
1: yeah, it's. it's... And like I said, it's,
0: it's the most impressive film about a subject that no one cares about I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, how, how he was capable to make a movie. I mean, and I, I, I mentioned this to Joe earlier when we were talking before uh, the Aaron show. Aaron Sorkin. That, well, yeah, but I mean, the fact that, that Quentin Tarantino chose this as the best film of the last decade in his, when he was asked, I just find that really interesting. Well, it certainly wasn't one of his films uh no but i doubt he would pick one of his own films anyway so
2: i don't know i think he may i think he might do that i think he's the kind of guy that would but he doesn't have to worry about it because he's wouldn't be in the same conversation in top 100 i don't think Okay.
0: You're okay. feisty tonight, Lady. Yeah. yeah.
2: A little bit. A yeah. little bit. Every
0: night. He, he, there's a, there's a guest on. He knows he he's, he can be very relaxed. He can be, Oh, uh,
2: please. When you have people I've never met, I act the same
0: way. He's an, Hassan
2: puts the black cat up either way.
0: He's anticipating the conflict between him and Joe. And he's, he's all know, no feisty, feisty. There is no conflict. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched a really interesting, uh, uh, baseball documentary called the battered bastards of baseball, which is about uh, a guy named uh, Bing Russell, who is a failed film actor and moved up to Portland to start a baseball team after the MLB's triple a team moved them out of Portland in the seventies. And so it was an essentially an uncovered area for, for baseball. So he went up and started a minor, an independent minor league team, And it was so successful that it forced Major League Baseball back into the region and forced them to essentially pay him to buy the rights to the area back because, you know, he had them. And uh, but was the more interesting part of that is one of the guys who played on that minor league baseball team was his son, Kurt Russell. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I had no idea either when I started. I mean, Kurt Russell was shown on like that, the header card on Netflix. And I'm like, why is fucking Kurt Russell involved in this? I'm like, well, maybe they just got him because he has some connection to baseball or something, but to find out that this guy was his dad uh, and did all this stuff. And, and the, the whole, the whole story is kind of amazing top to bottom. So if, I mean, I, I, everyone knows how I feel about baseball movies in general, but this being a documentary, I didn't expect it to have quite the same effect, but uh, it's really fun. It's, it's on Netflix
1: as well. So, okay. Well, Kurt Russell's involved in everything. And as, as he should
0: be, as he Walt
1: should. Disney's last words. Yeah. Were kurt were Kurt Russell. And his, and Kurt Russell should be in everything. I don't get it. It's not, it's not a joke. Walt right. Disney on his deathbed, his last words. Were Kurt Russell. Why? What, what was he trying Nobody to Nobody knows. He died. He couldn't <laughs> explain it. That's what last words means, Latham. Yeah, he didn't say Rosebud. Explain Pod. yourself. <laughs> he said Kurt Russell.
2: You yeah, said other words too. You just couldn't hear him. He said Kurt Russell.
0: <laughs> All right. Latham, what, is, quiet, Latham, you know, quiet. Latham what,
2: what did you watch this week, Latham? I know what you think is going to happen here. I'm going to talk about the same stuff that I watch every week with my daughter, which is Forensic Files, which we still love. Uh, ER, which is a lot of fun. And Floor House. Including a weird, weird timing thing, whereas we did Scrooge the other week. ER had an episode where Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> guested on it. But he's under a sheet in in a room the whole time pretending to be dead. And you hear his voice, but you never see him the whole episode. You just hear his voice. What? And if I identified him, she's I know that voice. I go, yeah, it's the guy from Scrooge. I don't know why, why they're not showing him, but they never show him. They never show him the whole episode. He's just was, a
0: disembodied voice from under a sheet. You know, he's, he's a patient
2: who like likes to wrap himself up in a sheet. And pretend he's dead, even though he's there to see a
1: doctor. Okay, okay. God, strange... God, you just described my marriage. <laughs> that is eerie. <laughs> eerie.
2: Let me give Maria a quick text so she doesn't. <laughs> Hold
1: on, I think I think she's calling from under the sheet. <laughs> yeah, <man>. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> um. So that yes, yes, um... yes. Joe's documentary is called "Wrapped in Cotton," not wrapped in plastic.
2: So that's good. Um, and then I watched, we watched, uh, it also Netflix. has
1: music in it, rap music.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, please. Come on. I watched the Netflix special death to 2020. Um, anybody watch it or see nope. it? Not yet, but, but it was written by the guy, Charlie Brooker and the black mirror people. Right. And what they do is they go through the whole year of 2020 show, actual footage, and then have actors play, pretend reporters, pretend um, experts on things. Samuel L. Jackson is the main reporter. Leslie Jones is someone at a bar. Uh, Hugh Grant plays a professor. And they just rip the whole year to shreds. And obviously they rip someone mostly. And uh, it's it's pretty entertaining. It's clever. It's not just a throwaway uh, hit piece. It's, it's fun to watch. And then we watched uh, Wonder Woman 84. And, ah. <clears throat> well, I don't really have much to say about it, except, has everyone here seen it? I know you two have. Joe, did you see it yet?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just stunned that someone thought it was a good idea to base the entire plot of the movie around... Body well, body snatching no uh, uh wishing i i just thought this is dumb and then it got dumber and dumber and boy did the movie look good and had fun sequences but yeah. this whole like rotted trunk of a plot in the middle of the movie with this stupid wishing stone and this vague Chaos based on it. I, I just thought that was so dumb. And when it was all said and done, I, I really did not like it, and uh, just threw it in the pile of other DC movies I don't like. The first Wonder Woman, I Wonder Woman, I thought was decent, but this was not. This was this seemed like a waste to me.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, Hassan and I have have discussed this at at some length i think we we talked about it maybe after you had jumped off or before you got on uh a week or two ago after after it came out we had a discussion about it and it was you know we very much felt that it was it was filled with a lot of great sequences that they 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 sort of linked loosely together and unfortunately they just You know, I compared it because I because it's the week we were watching Thor Ragnarok and I watched and I I, I compared it very loosely to Thor Ragnarok and the fact that they tried to throw so much in all these different things. But Thor Ragnarok was able to put them all in in a manner that made sense and link everything together, give you a bunch of stuff up front. There's payoffs on everything that they bring forth into it from the beginning on. It's actually funny, too. Well, that notwithstanding, and I feel like, and honestly, not unlike an 80s film, this film is kind of all over the place. And it has a very, like you said, it's got this rotten trunk of a plot. And they just, I felt like they, this movie shouldn't have been a two hour plus movie. They should have pulled out one, at least one whole major section of the plot that they were trying to deliver, tightened up everything else. And they were, I think they would have had an okay movie, you know? I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe. I mean, how do you not litter this movie with
2: songs from 1984? I mean, you're just missing the boat of what that year, that's like one of the iconic years of the 80s, especially music-wise. And you blew it, you blew it, you blew it, you blew it. I will say Hans Zimmer did his best to save this movie, his best. But you needed that movie to be have an eighties nineteen eighty four soundtrack and you just you, you just you had so many missed opportunities and the wishing stone is just dumb just dumb, dumb, dumb
0: Well that end watch this well that end this story this story ends and i and I was kind of hoping that they were gonna end it on this because I think it would have set up nicely. A place for the third film to go this storyline ends in in the comics with wonder woman killing maxwell lord like literally twisting his head around and breaking his neck because it was the only way to stop it not with her getting on tv and and begging everyone to do the right thing and they already ended Man of Steel like that. Well, so, there yeah. you go. Yeah, unfortunately, they'd already ended it with someone killing someone. You know, oh, by twisting great. their. Head. I
2: haven't seen that movie yet. Now I know how that one ends too. That's okay. <laughs>
3: that. That's yeah. Spoiler okay.
1: alert! Son. Yeah, <laughs> Superman.
3: Superman kills. Uh, uh, kills Pedro Pascal with snap by snapping his neck. While he was while he's the Mandalorian, he flies
0: around the Earth backwards a bunch of times to get us back to 1984. And then he kills Pedro Pascal and that uh, gets the earth spinning forward again. <laughs> um,
2: Amaya, yes. Amaya called the two. It it she said it was like a, a hallmark superhero movie. Like no one could die. It was like the eight team. Mm. Like, no, don't use that gun. Just throw them over here. And I I'm yep. sorry. That's just you don't need to you don't need to push that message at this stage. Okay. That's
0: you know, and I had the I had I had the I had the thought that maybe Patty Jenkins was really really trying to channel eighties filmmaking and make this sort of like almost like cheesy kind of like throwaway action film and really almost like really trying to go meta with it. But I just I, I I can't I can't assign that to her. I don't think she'd go that far. Yeah,
2: and she's not a bad director. It's right. just. The screenplay leads, its just—it's just a bad idea. It's not even written that badly. It's just a bad plot concept. Bad, 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 bad. I, didn't I like liked it. it. Uh, you know that's not surprising. <laughs> I liked it. I, I believe it. My uh, my
1: criteria for liking a film is is really simple. It's me too. Will I watch it, the movie does again? Does the
2: TV turn on and project
0: something?
1: And. <laughs> unfortunately it's projecting you right now latham on the webcam so <laughs> your,
0: theory, oh. your
1: theory has it's oh. just kind of fizzled out do i like something <laughs> enough uh, if i if i like something i will watch it again and do i wish it lasted longer and i liked it right i liked it and i wished it was longer and those are my criterias for liking a film my my minor
0: minor cl- sim- m- similar but <laughs> slightly different mine are mine are All all I ask for you is to entertain me, you know, Joe, Joe, you and I, you and I have one thing in common and that's the fact that we love bad horror films. I I, I love bad movies in general. I just,
1: I just like movies.
0: Yeah. And, and and I, you know, I'll watch the worst like shot on video guy in his backyard horror film. Oh, sure. Because I'll, 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 I'll find something, you know, I'll find something in it usually. I mean, well, not every time, obviously, but you, there's you, always you, something there's always something always you'll be something. like, hey, way to go. You nailed that shot or what you you nailed that that item or part of it. And I you feel, didn't you didn't get the boom, mic in that shot. Wait yeah, there. exactly. You managed to you managed to complete that one without really screwing yourself. So, I, yeah, I have a low bar as well. And uh, that's <laughs> always, always annoyed Latham and, and Carl. But, um, you know, I, all I ask is to be entertained. You know, just and do your job and entertain me. It, that's... I found I found Wonder Woman 84 entertaining. Okay. I did, too. But I at least I was able I was I was able to see the cracks, you know, and I, I don't I don't know that I I'm, hey, listen. I, I don't know that I'll not watch it again, but um, it's not something I'm going to, you know, race out to see. So, uh, Latham, what what else you got? That, that That's
1: all. That's that's all. Oh, that OK. I this week.
0: Yeah. And then the movies for the, the show this week, obviously.
1: Yeah, I watched those. And years ago.
0: But first, but first, first, we are going to take a. We're going to set the wayback machine a little bit, and we're going to discuss Joe's feature film pick, which is Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein.
1: Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset.
0: Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Come on, take it all out. Come
3: on up. Come on up. Wait a minute.
0: The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified, but hilariously. Stop. Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all. The Frankenstein Monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females
2: in the spookiest laugh fest on record. From
0: 1948, directed by Charles Barton with a running time of 83 minutes. Abbott and Costello are a couple who get caught up in a plot to steal Costello's brain for a revived Frankenstein monster being overseen by Count Dracula. However, the werewolf, just arrived from England, is here to stop them and enlist the boys to help him. Can they stop Dracula's dastardly plan? Joe,
1: why Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? Well, I wanted you guys to do a an early comedy. And I don't think Latham had ever seen an Abbott and Costello film. And if we're well, looking at early true? comedies...
2: Latham? Right? That's correct. Uh, I mean, it may, it may have been the past passing on TV, but never w- sat
1: down and watched one. I mean, you know who's on first. Everybody knows who's yeah. on first.
2: Oh, yeah. I know who they are. I just yeah, never seen a movie. Like
1: so do you remember the cartoon that they had? They had the Abbott and Costello cartoon on yep. right? So I was trying to pick what's an early classic, uh, classic 1930s or 40s comedy. And my personal favorites are, are the Marx Brothers who I think are just so nuts Ugh, and wrong. And then, yeah, I mean, even their bad stuff is, is terrific. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge WC fields fan. I'm a big Mae West fan. Uh, I'm a fan of a, a duo called Wheeler and Woolsey, which did some really uh, nuts stuff in the, in the thirties. Again, another vaudeville double act uh, that, that, Transitioned into film, much like the Marx Brothers, much like Mae West, much like W.C. Fields, except those guys all started in vaudeville. And Amon Costello started in burlesque. And there was a difference between vaudeville and, and burlesque. Burlesque came a little later, and burlesque was mostly very attractive women in various states of undress, dancing in between stand-up comedians. So it would be jokes, and then you'd see a lovely girl perform, a lovely woman perform, and then you'd see the joke guy come out again. Or in in the case of Abner Costello, they were what was called a double team, and a double team is you've got two guys, you've got the straight man, and then you've got the comic, and that became a thing going back to the eighteen hundreds. The idea is the straight man keeps the comic on on task, and delivers all of the setups and then the comic does his zany stuff and and he gets the laughs and because of that traditionally the straight man was always paid more (laughs) than the comic was because who wanted to be a straight man everybody if you want to perform you want to be the guy who gets the laughs and the love and the applause and the cheers and the straight man was just there to to keep the the comic focused and and keep delivering those lines and it was very tough to be a straight man uh, because you didn't get the love so straight men were in demand and they were usually paid more the equivalent of the bass player yeah sort of you can't <laughs> can have a band without a bass player but unless you're flea you're not getting the the admiration that you deserve oh no, you're not <laughs> Peter Hook. so in deciding what what to watch i thought i haven't seen evan costello meets frankenstein in probably 15 years and i'd love to watch that again and i'd love to introduce you guys to it and if you if you weren't familiar with them as a as a comic team along with anybody listening uh to the show and uh you know i watching it again it's just as much of a joy for me to to watch it again and look at the comedy as it is to remember the universal horror films from the the 30s and 40s, because that movie works on two levels. It's it's not only just a funny comedy, it's also very much the end cap to the storylines of Dracula and Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster That's and the right. Wolfman that have been in countless universal horror films. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it had Bela Lugosi in it and Glenn Strange in it and Lon Chaney Jr. in it who have been in scores of, of horror films. Uh, I thought this was an, this was a nice way to get in early universal horror and also a classic comedy team. So that's it, why I picked it.
0: It's uh, it's funny. The, this is actually the, um, this film, like you said, it'll essentially, it, it, a lot of people consider this to be part of the universal monster family of films, which so like you said, it literally caps off, you know, it, it follows up the events of House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein. And it's the final appearance of the of the three classic Universal monsters in a Universal Studios feature film. Uh, Universal would not produce another film with the three of them together again as characters until plan. Van Helsing. Monsters. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's not Universal, <laughs> uh, uh, which was, of course, the first the first attempt to reboot the Universal Monster World, which failed miserably. Uh, That's a Hugh Jackman, Van Helsing.
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay. Wow,
2: is that movie bad?
1: I yeah. love that movie, but I Kate absolutely love that movie. I
2: remember you. I've seen going that about it when we walked I, out.
1: I would watch. Guy uh, Kate Beckinsale paint a room. Take uh, oh, take my twenty five dollars, yeah. paint a room, and I'll watch her do that. I think she's captivating. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman's fun in anything he does. And that was just a fun film. It's, a, well, it's fun. A, it's a fun, dumb movie. It is. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so he doesn't that, believe it, in fun movies though. Yeah, I, yeah that's was, right. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: just
2: Mr. Unfun. Well, you, you said,
0: said it. it, you, you said, said it Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's frightening that great. all three of us know that. Um, so <laughs> it, the originally the mummy was supposed to be included as well, but they uh, they eventually scrapped that idea, which I, which is fine. You know, you can you can sort of in see Van Helsing. It. No, in no, uh, no. in this. Oh, and
1: in, in, yeah. And in Eben Costello meet fra- Frankenstein. Uh, and they technically don't meet Frankenstein, you know. Mm-hmm. Correct. Do you guys know why? Steve knows why. Latham, Hassan, son, do you know why they don't meet yeah, Frankenstein?
3: Because uh, that is the Frankenstein monster. That is yes. Dr. Frankenstein.
1: You you nailed it. it well, doc, and and that happened in uh in I think one of the early universal horror movies where the monster became synonymous with the with the creator yep. and they just stopped putting the creator in they they just called it <laughs> Frankenstein. <That's> Frankenstein. <laughs> it, it's not it's, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's some it's... maniac sewn together for body parts, but
3: it's a scary ass name, you know. It's it like it's exactly. a it's
0: a disturbing name. It's it's Friedrich, a very monstrous Friedrich, kind of Friedrich sound. Roderick Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had not seen this either. Uh, you in. hadn't seen. This. I hadn't seen this. It's just now. Were the... you familiar with Abbott and Costello? I am very familiar with Abbott and Costello. Uh, my mother was very influential on my watching of of stuff when I was a kid and brought a lot of stuff to my attention. So I was, you know, all the old uh, thirties and forties, uh, actors and, you know, comedy stuff. I, I was, you know, she, she made sure that I watched that kind of stuff when I was a kid and was very, uh, you know, getting me sort of, you know, it's like she, she felt that she, you know, she knew my interest in movies and movie making and all that kind of stuff. And she, she was very, uh, she pointedly put stuff in front of me that she thought that I should see. You know, it's like you should see this stuff. You know, she, she, you know, she showed. She was the one who point me, uh, put them in front of me when I was, you know, a kid. And now you show- think
1: I would? I wouldn't have thought it was your mom that did that. I would have figured it was your aunt.
0: Uh, oh,
1: it's, it's just
0: like it's. You know, I think Latham's jokes are bad. Holy crap! Um, oh, that's anywho, okay. now,
2: that's why I invited Joe on the show. Now mine are gonna be funny.
0: Oh man, nah, nah, they're not. Nah, nah. Um, it was, uh, no, this, this movie was, uh, it was, it, it was very cute. It was, uh, it's, it's, it's very much of the area it's from, you know, uh, I, 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 love, I love the Bud Abbott fourth wall breaks where he's, you know, does the little fate, the things that he was such a master of, uh, was that thing where he would just look at the camera and just kind of sort of half roll his eyes. And also like that, that sort of like kind of Nonchalantly looking away effect. That oh, he, that you're, you're confusing
1: Abbott with Costello. Costello was the fat guy. See, that's what I thought. But the, Abbott, right. yeah. Well, in 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 Lou, a oh, but Abbott and Lou, Cospadale. right? In a duo, in a comic duo, the straight man gets first billing because he's the one getting paid more. So Abbott, go. Abbott was the straight guy. Abbott was the guy setting him up for everything. Costello was the little guy.
0: All right. So so Lou, so Lou had the great lookaways and that's the part that i that i enjoyed the most was the the sort of uh the reaction stuff that he did and also the the bits of where he would get so excited and so upset about something and, and that he that he wouldn't be able to talk and that that sort of like quick breathless can't speak delivery in an extended for an extended period of time I imagine is actually pretty difficult to do. I mean, I can see doing it for a few seconds, but the, the the his ability to do that and do it for like a minute or two at a time was just really impressive to watch. A lot of fun little timing things. That scene where they're in the warehouse that that whole scene that that whole sequence when they're in the warehouse with like Dracula going in and out of the coffin and, and mm-hmm. Frankenstein in and out of the scene. So every time, you know, obviously that uh, you wouldn't believe him when he's trying to tell him what he saw and everything else. Uh, it's 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 a very i don't want to say it's a it's a typical comedy of that era but uh it's it's a lot of fun i mean anyone who's seen the the universal monster movies should uh should probably watch no
1: no were you a fan of of those were you exposed to those in in an early age the uh, the, the, and- the
0: basics so there's still a lot of the the follow-up films that i haven't seen there i haven't i haven't watched like all of the frankensteins and all of the draculas and all of the you know the other films um I have them all. I have the legacy collections. I just I just it's one of those things or, you know, it's on my list of things to get to.
1: You, you should get to them. What's nice about Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, other than the fact that it's a, a fun film and a continuation of the Universal films, is Glenn Strange was the monster in House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein.
0: Okay, uh, This
1: is only the second time Bela Lugosi played Dracula. And, and the only other time he played Dracula. Right. Yep. Other than other than Dracula. But he was in uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Right. As the Frankenstein monster. Right. He was in uh it was either son of Frankenstein or ghost of Frankenstein as Igor, possibly both of them. Uh, so Bela was in a lot of these movies. And Lon Chaney, of course, has played the Wolfman several times. And he also played the Frankenstein monster. Uh, in in one of the early Universal films, and he also played Dracula in son of, of Dracula. So it wasn't just they're, re- they're capping off the universal area. It was sort of a high point for these three guys career almost to the point of where is Boris Karloff.
0: Uh, I guess there was also, and it's funny, they brought up that uh, that Lon Chaney had played Frankenstein previously, because apparently there was a day where Glenn strange had left for the day and they realized that uh, they needed a shot. They needed him for a shot, but he'd already left. So Lon Chaney put on the outfit, and, and, and he actually filled in as Frankenstein with the makeup and everything. Uh, it wasn't a, I don't think it was a face shot, obviously up an up close shot. It,
1: it actually was a, a, you did see his face in it. It was the scene right after Lou escapes the lab and the Frankenstein monster got out of its bounds and it's, it's running after him. Oh, okay. Uh, that, Glenn Strange broke his ankle. Yep. Right. And could not be the monster for a couple of days. And Lon Chaney's like, I I've done this before. You know, <laughs> I can. It's stumble. better than the werewolf makeup <laughs> yeah. again. Where oh yeah, right. hours. <laughs> so yeah, you can you can actually see him in the movie, and you can tell it's Lon Chaney because it looks like Lon Chaney with Frankenstein makeup on it. Uh, right. A couple of shots, I think. But if you yeah. don't know it, you're not looking for it. So it's, oh no, you you wouldn't know it unless uh, not with the a film geek. Alarm. Yeah, a film geek like one of us brings it up and you'll know it. Yeah, right. Um, I love that
0: in the in the final shot in the boat that the invisible man was Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a I nice do passion. I do love that. And it's like as soon as he speaks, you're like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Latham, what did you what did you think of this?
2: Well, we always talk about context of trying to put ourselves in the era that the film actually came out and going to see it at the time it came out at least in some respects it doesn't apply to everything but it's obviously got to apply here because this is a famous comic duo who had already been fairly famous by the time this movie came out if i'm not mistaken
1: and They, they were the number one box office draw for several years
2: exactly and so you know. Going into this, I knew that and I've seen lots of movies and I know their legacy and I know they're considered one of the funniest comic duos of all time. And I know they had done a lot of different types of comedy films from like this combination of the Monsters universe to their own shtick to the who's on first routine, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it's impossible to go into this without context. Now. That being said, these are just things I, I noticed before looking up everything, looking up anything about the movie after I saw it. I personally wasn't impressed with Bud Abbott as a straight man. Now, afterwards, I, re- I read that Groucho Marx called him the best straight man in the history of, of movies. And I just, I don't like his delivery. And I don't think, he, I think he's, he does nothing to enhance his part of the duel, and I think,
1: you know, Costello's great. I'm gonna and, I'm gonna interrupt you there. Yeah. that's the whole point of a straight man. <laughs> you you but. don't take any attention. It's like, well, you know, I I didn't know how the magician disappeared. The girl. You're not supposed to pay attention to Bud. You're supposed to pay attention to Lou. And He's why Groucho still- Marx said that is because Abbott was unflappable. Costello would go off on tangents, and Canadians go off on tangents, and Abbott would always bring him back in. He'd never break face, so he'd never giggle and laugh like. As far uh, as we
2: know, we don't. We haven't seen all the takes.
1: Uh, we we have not. We have not seen all the takes, but f- this is anecdotal from you know reading books about these guys and and watching documentaries about mm-hmm. these guys. Uh, contrast that to the who are who are the who's the duo that did Hells Poppin'? And if you guys haven't seen Hell's a, there's a that's like going back to 1940 and seeing the Zucker Brothers do Airplane. Hell's a Poppin' was that revolutionary at the time. What, okay. the, what, the, hell, what the hell were those guys called, damn it? Uh, now i got to look it up really quick. Yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, but in that case, it's a duo, but they're both comics. And they're okay. both constantly laughing at each other. Olsen and Johnson. Olsen and Johnson. Yeah, that's an amazing film. Uh, the, the comedy there is you've got two goofballs and you're supposed to pay attention to two goofballs. Abbott is wallpaper. Abbott is the stuff you're not supposed to see because you're paying attention to how the room is decorated. You're not paying attention to the background. He just keeps Costello on track and lets Costello deliver the jokes. that
2: seems like a waste of
1: effort to me because he, he's not charismatic to me.
2: I, 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 I understand You need him for the as the straight guy to make the comic come off funnier, but I, I felt like he was. I was paying attention to his bad acting, whereas with Costello, I never felt that way. So I don't think their balance as a duo works as well as everyone else thinks it does. But what do I know? That's what. That's just what I wrote down. I didn't. I didn't find the movie particularly well written or clever. Uh, I get the jokes from the time and why people thought they were funny, and they were classic innuendos or or misplacement or uh, I don't know what the proper term is, but
1: malapropism.
2: Some, yeah, where someone's there and then they're not there, and then they say, "Oh, I saw them," and then they move and they're not there. Whatever that is. That's you know the timing is great. The comic timing in the movie is great. I'll tell you what's really great in the movie is the optical effects. I mean, they're unbelievable for that year. The, uh, the wh-
0: however they processed
2: him changing into a bat and, and anything they did
0: that- the, all those animations were done by Walter Lance, the guy who uh, no kidding. created Woody Woodpecker. Yeah. He was the, he was the head animation guy for universal international at the time. So that, you know, he went, uh, he did all those animations for him, the opening animation and the, uh, the bat transitions.
2: Yeah and they're they're fantastic and never once do they take you out of the movie and it's just supposed to be a fun comedy with monsters in it so it would be fine if it did but those are seamless and and uh, again for the year I thought they were that was really cool to see the only movie uh, you know I haven't seen anything in that era comedy wise close to that year what was it 1948 yeah okay The only movie I can even not even compare to, they're not, they're totally different, but where there was a duo of comedians uh, playing together to a plot and where I thought it was really funny was Some Like It Hot. And I kept thinking about that movie while I was watching this. I'm like, wow, I really enjoyed Some Like It Hot. Why am I not liking this? Better than that. I know it's different comedy, but it was the same era. I think some like it hot is fifty one, am I right? Fifty-two? That's just a guess. I might be I
1: might be a little off on that. Fifty nine. Fifty-nine? Uh, 59? Yeah, so you're uh, about eleven years off. I am. I, okay, so it's not <laughs> but they were both in black and white.
2: They were both in black and
1: white. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much all they share. Um, <laughs> they're both comedies. They're both screwball comedies. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> well, a degree.
2: I they both had people them. in them. Um, I was thinking also like maybe, okay, I'm just going to come on and say, I, I, I tried, I tried to laugh. I was waiting to laugh at this movie, at something, something this movie to make me chuckle or say, oh, that's old old timey joke or that's really good comic timing. That really made me chuckle. And I was waiting for something to erupt from my bowels and laugh at this movie. And the only time I laughed in this movie is for the invisible man joke at the end. Hmm. I didn't laugh once before it, not Hmm. once. I didn't think something was funny or clever. And when I was done watching this movie, I, I, I wouldn't, it would make me not want to explore Abbott and Costello anymore. That's how disappointed I was in it. And then I thought, you know what? maybe people thought this was funny because it came out right after world war two ended and they would be laughing at anything after that miserable experience. (laughs) Then I thought that was possibly a reach. So (laughs) I, uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people enjoy it. It's got a great critic score Rotten tomato score. It's considered a classic it's in the library of Congress, but it didn't do anything for me. And I, I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was
3: uh, dull. Hassan, uh, how do you follow that? <laughs> um,
2: well, this dumbass, pick me first.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see what you. I, my my friend, one of my best friends, Anthony was a was a gigantic uh Abbott and Costello fan um, when we were kids. He was. I wasn't. But I am familiar with uh, with a lot of the humor. I'm a, some of it, like I agree with Latham, some of it doesn't land. But I mean, that's that's gonna what's gonna happen like eighty years later. And there's you know there's the, there's that one gag. There's only one gag in the in the. In the film, that was a little cringeworthy for me, was just when the, with the luggage scene where he pulls a you know pulls a woman's uh, suitcase out and then luggage all falls on him, of course. And then he was like, "I hurt my little head," and I'm like, "Oh man, is it gonna be? Is this all gonna be like this?"
2: Then. That it <laughs> like was an old timey joke back then. That was probably funny to funnier to people back then.
0: He was playing it up yeah, for the girl, I, but
2: I guess
3: okay, I, I, I figured. Right. Um, but anyway, so but that was the only. That was the only joke I was like, oh, I hope this is not all like this. <laughs> and it wasn't. There was a there was you know, there was a really strong uh Cassandra syndrome. But that's basically the gag of Abbott and Costello, you know, where where Lou like just, you know, something's going wrong, he's the first to notice it. He's the first to intuit that something is wrong and nobody believes him you know, and you can't get anyone to believe him until it all turns into a circus in the last act, which you know, this one certainly did Bella Lugosi and uh, you know like this this movie is kind of like a Jaws where you watch it and you're like, I'm not I'm not really qualified to judge this movie you know, because uh, this is a, you know Untouchable? Not untouchable, but it's it's just absolutely charming. You know, it's, it's all, all of it is just really charming. And then, you know, there's some, the cinematic lighting in it for, you know, for black and white, like the, un, everybody's like underlit. Everything is, uh, you know, everything is either underlit or backlit, which is just fantastic. He, he, you know, I mean, Frankenstein did pick a woman up and throw her through a window. So there was a, there were a couple of scenes where a lot of, of a stuff. That a
2: shocking moment too. That was, I was like, whoa, that's a good stunt. <laughs> not
3: even being a serious, that
2: was that was cool. Well done.
3: There's there's a lot of stuff in it that's that was like this is a joke, this is a joke, this is a joke. That kind of that's not a joke. That's not funny. <laughs> it was a couple of moments like, hey, that's not really funny. I don't know what I don't know what they're thinking about doing with that. And then there were there were some really great compromising situations, especially that Costello is in. You know. Where he's tied to a table because they're gonna, you know, the absurdity of they're gonna use his brain in the Frankenstein monster, and the, you know that you watch a uh, Abbott and Costello movie, you know exactly why that's a joke. And uh, uh, circumstances, I'm, I forget with the the carnival, you know, sequence, it gets off rolling, and he he basically wakes up and he's next to and he's being loomed over by the 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 uh, the, the Wolfman, and he skids himself away from the wolfman just this, dracula just happens to be come, just casually strolling back into the room and uh, you know they do this they, they do that terrible like kind of push and pull with and then, and then dracula and and the wolfman get caught up in each other and you never worry about dracula again for the rest of this for the rest that's of right. the film <laughs> um and then frankenstein and that's that's when uh what's his name son was playing frankenstein right that sequence in uh, I think did, isn't he isn't that the stunt? Lon he did? Jr. Yeah, yeah, when he when he uh yeah, when they broke out he's... of the lab,
1: that was him. Okay, and that wasn't uh was he the one? It wasn't who threw... Glenn Strange? It was uh well, Glenn Strange broke his ankle. Yeah, throwing the stunt woman through the mm-hmm. window. She came back on a wire, hit him. He tried to catch her, fell back, broke his ankle. So Lon Chaney Jr. did it the second time because they obviously didn't get the take because she was on wires, and she swung back through. And on the second take, she got candy glass in her eye and was rushed to the hospital. Wow.
3: Yeah, that stunt looked terrible. I mean, not not terrible as in it wasn't a good stunt. It just looked it looked like it, it, looked hurt. it looked like someone someone, hurt. Someone got hurt. Someone got hurt. Few yeah. people got seriously hurt. On yeah. The director
2: is just like, throw her through the fucking window. I don't care. And that's,
3: you know, that's crazy for 1948. Like, he just picks a woman up and tosses her through a window. Hey,
0: he's a monster. What do you want?
1: What? what you, oh, go go ahead. ahead. Joe. Well, I, I was going to say, what you guys, Latham, you're talking about recognizing the context of this. People were scared by this movie people were really still scared by the universal monster films as late as the 19 the late 1940s and kids went to see this thinking it was an Abbott and Costello movie and their parents were outraged because you you guys are right there's some really kind of edgy harsh stuff in here yeah and it wasn't meant to be funny it was meant to be universal horror it was meant to be some scary shocking stuff and there's some scary shocking scenes in it and it wasn't meant to be all just balls to the wall comedy there were a couple of times
3: where i was like wow that's that's kind of heavy you know like i i know if i had watched this as a kid that would have freaked me out like a lot of that sequence especially at the end would which would have totally unhinged me you know <laughs> What I'm told, and I couldn't find any verification of this, but what I'm told is that this was uh, the first time they they actually show a full transition of Dracula becoming a bat Hmm. on camera without cutting away. And then from what I understand, which is why I was kind of joking with you earlier about Monster Squad, Steve, that stayed pretty much the same until Monster Squad. And there's a sequence in Monster Squad where Dracula turns into a bat, like right in front of everybody, and that's f- that that was supposedly the first time since Abbott and Costello meet Dracula that right, that so. that yeah, yeah. Well, whatever, same thing, same guy. He the guy's in the movie. It's a my I like Monster Squad a lot.
1: Monster Squad was uh, so there's a,
3: yeah. We could do a whole show on Monster Squad. Uh, good, sure. good, 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 <laughs> and bad. The good and the bad. But um. But, it, the, but that's... Monster Squad's got its place in history because, from what I understand, now, you uh, look this stuff up and verify it, and if I'm, if I'm talking out on my ass, that's perfectly fine. I apologize.
0: No, 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 no. But um,
3: You're talking uh, out your ass! <laughs> <laughs> Ain't oh, the first time! I, I'm I, skilled! I,
1: just, <laughs> I fucked up my computer pretending <laughs> to type. Well, Do you though? mind if I ask you a question? <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I'm geared for it. Um... But uh, so yeah, so I mean, this is, and I remember like us learning that when we were kids, like around the time Monster Squad came out, we learned that, and, um, and and we were like, what? Like the the only time they ever depict Dracula becoming a bat is in is in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. That's you know, isn't that a comedy? Isn't that isn't that like a throwaway movie? But obviously not. Like obviously th- through history, it's the very last Universal movie monster movie uh that they made it's a it's a, it's a, in the pantheon of history because of that all by itself uh, you know besides the movie being pretty great i would i would claim the movie or i would describe the movie as extremely charming i i'm this is not a uh an insult to latham i didn't go in really expecting to laugh too much because it's a movie from 1948 um, but I the did. Three
2: Stooges, though, I love the Three Stooges. They make I can't stand the
3: Three Stooges. Okay, like well, I can't, I can't stand slapstick humor. Like I'm not. There's
2: older a, stuff than this that's really funny. So that's. I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, go on Hassan. I just. I think older stuff can still be laugh out loud funny.
3: Well, what I'm saying is, I I didn't really. I went into it not really expect, not demanding that the film like make me laugh, but I ended up laughing quite a few times. You know, it just you know you get into the frustration of it because I think, uh, as you say, like uh, Abbott is such a you know so implacable that he does become annoying because he won't listen to to Costello. You know, like and and but I mean some of the some of the shit that happens in it, like when you open a coffin and Dracula's in there, and then you open it again and he's not in there, and then you just see him standing in the background, you know, with a <laughs> And it's like, well, he's right there. Like this, some of that stuff is just fantastic. Um, them trying to barricade the door and the door open, and you know the door is going to open from the other way. You know, <laughs> you just you know that's going to happen, and you know that this, this, the quick sequence where uh, Costello looks at him, we we got him, we got him blocked, <laughs> and then the door opens anyway, which is yeah. just plain stupid. He comes out like with the with the cape over his face. He says, you know, stand back, and the. the you know, the, the monster's like, yes, master. And he goes, he thinks I'm Dracula. And then, it, you know, the whole thing. I mean, it's funny because it's bad, you know, in my opinion. It's like, oh, come on, you know. And that's, for me, that's kind of what worked. So I enjoyed it. I I had never seen it before. I'd seen Abbott and Costello movies before. I've seen them pieces. But I ha- I'm not familiar enough with them to know them by name. The one movie, like, vaguely... Vaguely keeps coming to mind uh, just a, a turtle with a candle on his back. And I don't know which movie that is. It's, it's just. Uh, no idea. It's an de Costello movie, I think. And it's the, there's a slide, and the turtle has a, cam- a candle on its back, and it slides off of the, this, uh, down this like little trestle and goes into the, the water. And that's supposedly <laughs> like. I don't know what it is. That's like. That's burned into my memory, and I can't. I have not been able to find that movie. But this movie's really good. I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, and it's a. It's his. It's historically a huge movie. As I read up on it uh, while watching it, I didn't realize how how you know kind of that's kind of a powerhouse. Of the it's the fact blatant. that it's a yeah that that's the closeout to all the Universal monster movies. You know, and then uh, you know they killed off uh, they killed off Dracula and they killed off the 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 Wolf Man. And no, I didn't.
1: Well, theoretically, it's it's, well, they, it's they kill them both off pretty much every movie. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: they're, they're, and they're both they're. I mean, listen. At one point, the, the Frankenstein monster lost the ability to speak, but then all of a sudden, inexplicably, at the beginning of this one, he's talking again. So, you know, all right. Yeah, and I mean, and, and listen. At the end of the day, you know, vampires and werewolves are immortal. so it's you know they they didn't die. They just you know got taken out of the picture by you know throwing each other off the off the thing into the water. Well, I'm saying in the context of the fact that we never saw them again.
3: Like, this yeah, was the, well, this was their yeah, swan that, song for all of them. That killed them. Yeah. You know,
1: that killed him. Every previous movie would continue from the last movie. So when, when you look at uh, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, it picks off where Frankenstein left off. Son of Dracula picks off where Dracula left off. Uh, House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula pick off after... Uh, Frankenstein uh, meets the Wolfman where they, where they got frozen at the end of it when they were fighting and they all continued. And this, Nope, there was no continuation. It was, it was the end end until, of the road until monster squad or until the, uh, the Paul <laughs> Naschy movies where uh, uh, Vladimir uh, resurrected him, uh, <laughs> or uh, I think there was a movie called the monster club that had all of them in it. It was a Vincent price film with John Carradine and a couple other people in about 1980. I think that had them all, but there aren't that many movies that have the the three big guys in yeah. them. Uh, and, and this was the last one for years, for decades. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I found most interesting. This was, this was, you know,
0: and it, it, Bella Lugosi's replaying Dracula, his, his characterization of Dracula in this, I found Just so much more warm than it was in his portrayal of Dracula from the original. I just felt like his characterization is he was much more, it was much more human, <laughs> he's, you know, because mm-hmm. he was playing Doctor, you know, as he's you know playing Doctor Lagos, uh, you know <laughs> that playing that role for the for everyone else, and he's just like, oh hello, and he comes down in his in his smoking jacket and a robe or whatever, and he's like, well, I'm glad to have you in my home with that welcome, and he's just like all friendly and nice, and you're like, dude, you're fucking Dracula, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Did they ever go into depth
3: as to why what Dracula was gonna do with Frankenstein? why he like that was his idea of the death star as no, far I'm as sure he was, was concerned I'm sure, I'm
0: sure it was pinky in the brain <laughs> was he was gonna take over the world yeah yeah <laughs> and, that's what i'm saying and then like, plot yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then plot would happen <laughs> yeah. um uh this was bella lugosi's last uh last studio film uh oddly enough he would make only six more features after this including two for ed wood uh, leading up to his final film, which was, of course, Plan 9 from Outer Space.
3: This is the most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. <laughs> who,
0: play, who plays him in... Uh, doesn't Willem
2: Dafoe play Lugosi? In...
1: No, he plays... No, he, it's... He, uh, he, that's Nosferatu, you're thinking of. Yeah.
0: In yeah. Ed Wood, he's been... Ed he Wood's a vampire. By, it's Martin. By, uh, Martin, uh, Landau.
3: Martin Landau. Martin Landau.
2: No, Martin Landau, that's right. He got nominated for Academy Awards. That's correct. For
0: that that for is format. correct. That's
3: correct. Commander Fucking Koenig.
0: That is a that's right, Commander Koenig. That's a good movie. <laughs> well, according to the DVD commentary, uh, this was the second cheapest film made by Universal in 1948, and it became their the Universal's second highest grossing film of 1948. Starting a precedent. That's right. <laughs> and uh, and Lou Costello said when he read the script that uh, no way I'm doing that crap. My little girl could write something better than this. Uh, however, a $50,000 advance and the signing of their friend Charles Barton convinced him otherwise. Yeah, it's Funny how that works. Yeah, crazy, right?
3: <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. What? You're going to give me a bag of money? Well, why <laughs> yeah, did yeah. you
0: start with that? He well, warmed think, up think, to the movie after he got paid. Well, <laughs> well think, think about this, alright? So, uh, this film's budget was about $700,000 and... Each of Abbott and Costello each got paid $102,000. Wow. I mean, yeah.
3: Bet you the girl who got thrown through a window got way less in scale. <laughs> 40 40 bucks. The, yeah, got 40 bucks.
1: Plus, <laughs> no, all of her ER bills were also paid for. <laughs> 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 we hope. We can only hope. Sag insurance. Well,
0: uh-huh. that was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It was, uh, I was uh I, I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. I was, you know, I always uh enjoy a good uh old you know, I like I like all those old the old black and white comedy teams that were around. I don't know. I, I've heard of the what was it, Woolsey and Wheeler and Woolsey. Wheeler and Woolsey. They... I've heard the names before. I've never seen any Are, are like you a fan of, of duck soup? Oh
1: I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of the Marx Brothers. See a movie called Diplomaniacs, which okay. is just as insane about the same thing. Okay. Put an idiot in charge of running a country and <laughs> it's, it's hysterical. It is so subversive and completely wrong. <laughs> and a lot of the, have you guys ever discussed pre-code comedies and what Not happened when you do no. Okay. Th- there was something called the Hayes act. Yeah. A- and what the Hayes act was, there were so many scandals in Hollywood and there were so many movies that were shocking people and they didn't have a rating system. So they hired this dude to come in and decide this is acceptable. And this, this is not acceptable. And in order to, and this is pre MPAA and MPAA all started in the late sixties with wild right. bunch and Barbarella. And uh, what was that other big film that oh, midnight cowboy, right? Oh yeah. Right. 68, X- 68, 69. Uh, they decided we need a rating system that, differentiates pornography and and films that are not pornographic because we all know that the sex act is much worse than killing somebody of course so the Hayes act was (laughs) it was enacted in in the 30s in hollywood uh basically to uh shut up Mae west because her Uh comedies were becoming more and more suggestive and uh stop the more and more display of the female form on screen and the pre-code, the pre-Hayes Act movies, the comedies, especially in by I think it was 1934, 1935, the Hayes Act was enacted prior to that. They're insane. You look at those, and you go, how did they get away with that? I can't believe this was 1933. Yeah. I can't believe this was 1934. And then the Hayes Act came in and everybody was proper. And, you know, you couldn't have two people in bed together. What well, year was it happened one night? Was it thirty four? It happened uh, one night. I think it Thirty four. Okay. So Hayes Act was right before, right then, because then they said, no, nah, we can't have two people in bed together." And yeah, there's
0: there's a bunch of funny rules. We actually discussed that briefly when we were talking about um, "It's a Wonderful Life" because there is yeah. a because there's a whole thing with the Hayes Act because uh, the old man doesn't doesn't have any consequences for keeping the eight thousand dollars that he that he accidentally you know, came into his property and there was a thing with the Hayes Code, whereas someone couldn't commit a crime and not be punished. Hmm. Was well, part until, of until SNL and then they well, fixed that. Probably. That's right. And SNL fixed that. <laughs> but uh, but then there was also the I actually just saw something about this on uh, on this, this, this uh, history of swear words. Uh, they were doing the word damn. And the whole thing, the whole episode is framed around the Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Because they had to he actually had to lobby the Hayes peep the Hayes Act people um, in order to get an addendum for him to include the
1: word damn hmm. at the end of the film. Wow. This is stunning. But prior to that, the movies got really, really fun. <laughs> 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 and then the fun and then the fun abruptly ended, and then it was trying to skirt around the yeah, uh, like, all of the rules
0: yeah, it's like pre-code comics same thing
1: yeah yeah pretty much pretty much thank you uh creepy and eerie for that that's right <laughs> and mad magazine 59 uh basically all of all of the warren oeuvre we can yep. thank for for the comics code uh but
2: oh the good thing is is we're done so um Thank
3: you
1: guys for having Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Oh, he's tricking you. <laughs>
0: you
1: Latham, oh, wait. It's not. There, it's oh, really oh, not there's, over. There's one more place we have to go, Latham.
0: Holy God. Oh,
2: is that the butcher shop? Nope. It's down it's the a, tubes.
1: And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck, it's, it's a series of tubes.
3: Thank you for not prolonging that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm well, not done with that, Hassan.
2: Yeah, Pulling so, his so teeth the, out. So no, uh
0: Joe, the uh What the do zip, you mean by the z- down the tube, Steve?
1: The zip uh, files I sent uh, you can uh with the poster images. Uh you see, I was worried to open any zip files from you, Steve. Because <laughs> you didn't know it was me. So all right, that that is true. See, apparently I've known Steve for like 30 years, but uh I did couldn't didn't recognize his last name. That's... And we're on Zoom right now, so I'm looking in with a beard, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? How do you know Latham? And he's like, Joe, we've known each other forever. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're Steve. That's Steve. <laughs> okay, now, now I get it. Because Joe, I know I put on a little We both got these COVID beards. I, I know I put on a little weight since
0: being home all the time, but come on, man.
1: <laughs> nope, it took, I had a senior moment, but I figured it out. <laughs> but you sent me zip files, and I did. apparently they contain? They contain poster images poster
0: images so there's one entitled uh uh, let's open it up abbott and costello and then there's one for the night comes for us so we'll go through the abbott and costello images first and it's just a selection of uh, film posters
1: all right so what are we doing just
0: we're just going through them and discussing them real quick okay the thing i just got we do uh called down the tubes all right
2: Basically, we get to ones where I don't like them, and I start ripping on them, even though I don't know these artists at all. Oh, that
0: sounds so unlike you, Latham.
2: It becomes (laughs) annoying after a while. And uh, then we finish, and then we do it again the next week.
0: Well, maybe not for much longer. We'll see. Oh.
1: All right. Let Uh me open these up. So what are you guys guys starting (laughs) with?
0: Uh, We're starting with with number one in the Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein folder. Okay.
1: Uh, Uh, The
2: U.S. version. USA.
0: this is the standard u.s poster this is the one you see most uh associated with the film now see Um, this
2: is a rarity for me this poster is better than the actual movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) what uh like most films of this era you either had one of two one of two directions you either had Uh, A single image that was created by the studio and then that was either mirrored or reused or repainted and redone for the different countries uh, as you move through the releases to film around the world. Uh, In the case of this particular one, uh, they had almost a different poster produced art wise for every country as they went. So I found I found a lot of them uh, based on the different uh, on the different countries. So next is Spain. The Spanish poster, yes, You're on number two. So, 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 so we're on the Spanish poster.
1: Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks similar, but I I don't understand the words because they <laughs> appear to be in a foreign language. That would be Spanish.
3: More, more uh, caricature though on the bottom, right?
0: A L- little yeah. more whimsical. Yeah,
3: it's the same. Uh, it's the same composition as the first one, but right. Just a different, completely different configuration and, uh, and colorful,
1: colorful. And Co- Costello is smoking yeah yeah he's got a i don't think he that. smoked in the movie no. no no huh That's Not that to I saw. sell
2: it well,
0: there there's no spain in spain in the everyone world. smokes so there you go no yeah, they're just trying to sell it as a movie that might have a cigarette in it which back then was well important. well then you go to the uk quad which goes back <laughs> to the more photographic style of the at least of the actors involved and he's still smoking he's still, smoking. He's still smoking. just like Cheech and Chung. So here's the interest, another interesting part. You'll see that the, (laughs) the Frankenstein monster off to the left here. I can't tell if that's the, if that's Glenn. So they wanted Boris for the Frankenstein monster in this film, but he refused to do it because he was sick of that. But he said he would, he actually ended up doing two small photo shoots he said, "If there were marketing materials that he would never have to look at or see anywhere, that they could use the photos for those." So I don't know if they ended up going into foreign marketing materials uh, to show that, you know, to the, the use of of his Frankenstein. But um, I just thought that was interesting that he that he did he still put the makeup on and did two photo shoots as, as Frankenstein as long as he never had to see them out anywhere. <laughs> hmm.
1: <laughs> oh boy. Oh, and then Boris Karloff made two other movies with Abbott and Costello. Right. Right. He made Jekyll and Hyde, which I think was one of their last big films. And then he did uh, Abbott and Costello meet Boris Karloff, the killer or the killer Boris Karloff. So <laughs> Boris wasn't against working with Bud and Lou. He was apparently just against this movie.
0: Could be. Why? he you read the script?
1: Wow. Hard to tell.
0: So, uh, so next is another UK quad, different style, different uh, different art, different look, but the same uh, you know, different photos.
2: Yeah, it's. I like how they make their heads on the cartoon bodies, and they're bigger. That works.
1: I
0: don't know why he's presenting his ass to Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean it's, and Frankenstein's like about to take the bait. Well, he's no Frankenstein's got him by his pants. Oh,
3: but. Th- but the pants
2: oh, are colored in different it's colors. It's been
0: miscolored. Good, yeah. good catch. Yeah,
3: I,
2: right. yeah, that should be gray.
0: Yep. Same thing. Fail.
2: Fail. Fail.
0: <laughs> gray like so, your heart. So moving on to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving right along. No childhood sense of
2: whimsy in that goddamn poster. Oh, at least we're going to Italy next.
1: I, li- get- I like how this poster, Bud Abbott, is absolutely essential <laughs> to the poster. Yes. And what a good job he does being the straight man, which as you all now know is essential in a comedy (laughs) team. He does a better job uh, on this poster than in the movie. Lon Chaney? No, Whimsy. Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney got first billing here. That's interesting. Lon Chaney looks like an M.
0: No, it doesn't. Looks like an N.
1: Looks like an M to me.
0: Look at the ends in Gianni. Are, are the, you
1: on a CRT monitor, Lathan? <laughs> What's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Next is Japan.
2: Well, you know,
0: guess
1: they put Frankenstein in the freezer for a little bit. I don't. know. Yeah, you know, that's uh, a it's a new look for him. And and this probably goes for like eight thousand dollars.
0: It could have been. It could very well be. Uh, it could have just been the printer was out of green ink. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so so next is uh what probably my favorite <laughs> from germany i mean this is great, it's great the fact that it's called my god of frankenstein <laughs> that's great i love the look is on the original
2: or is that a, a fan that that's the original german poster
1: that's oh, the wow. german poster that's uh wow it looks was- like it looks like Harvey Kurtzman and Mad Magazine right. are doing it exactly. exactly, trying to place. Which what is it really is. weird for the '40s. Are you sure this is '40s? This yeah. isn't a, a re-release. No, no, no,
0: this is the German. This is the German release. That's the you
1: found. Wow, it looks it looks really '50s or '60s. It's I a fun mean,
0: poster. And uh, next is the poster from Denmark.
1: Very <laughs> cartoony. Yeah, different style too. Yeah. But they they did again, which was popular at the time, they did the little bodies, oversized heads. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, they're they're bobbleheads. Yeah. They're bobbleheads yeah. before bobbleheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like it's they slower. still made them fat and skinny though. And they only went with what, three or four colors on this. There's black, yellow, green, and well, okay. purple and, and I, don't know, uh, I don't know. I don't uh, know why because
0: Costello is so much more tan than I guess. I suppose he's red
1: and exhausted because he's fat. But uh, but they made Dracula yeah. the Werewolf and the Monster all green. Yeah, which is well, they oh, had, they had background sh- characters, a so. printer choice. Yeah, no, yeah. No, there you go. That's, and that's then, color
0: separation. And then la- uh, next is a poster <laughs> from Sweden, which
1: nothing looks like anybody. Huh? That's just weird that that looks art nouveau but same layout as
2: the yep,
0: first yep. one same concept yeah this is a color fail i don't like this one and then uh finally was the uh one fan poster i found by an artist named jeff bell which is actually pretty good
2: yeah it's not bad at yeah, it's all not bad good
0: likenesses
2: it's good all these posters are are decent except
0: for that green one that one so I don't know uh, if we want to do a martini on Charles Barton. Oh, why
1: not? And a martini is.
0: Or we, we talk about a particular drink, director's
1: time. body of work. Hmm. The I'd rather talk about the first film you picked.
2: We go through their body of work and pick their best movie. What you think is their best movie? See, I'd What's
1: rather that talk that? about Timo than because I, I don't. I don't think I've seen anything else by Barton.
2: Well, He's, I'm looking at it right now, and I certainly haven't seen anything else by this guy. Yeah, and Walt. he
1: hasn't. <laughs> I liked it, but I pretty much like everything. Other yeah. than, other than the show called Twin Peaks, which is so overrated that. Not,
3: not have
1: like... you guys ever discussed it? I don't know if you have. We we actually oh, covered an uh, overrated. Show. Raymond
0: Raymond picked uh, Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. Uh, as his guilty pleasure on his first show.
1: Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> Did he no, make no, you watch 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yeah, that yeah, was his first uh, one, yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I love I love getting together with Raymond Benson and just ripping on 2001 because he gets so angry. Yeah. Of, of course, he doesn't. He's the sweetest guy it. ever. He right. doesn't get angry at anything.
3: No, boy, I managed to piss him Kubrick. off.
1: Oh, did you? Yeah, because I said. What uh, didn't you like?
3: I said it. Carl Sagan had written it instead of Arthur C. Clarke by accident, and he was he shot me a look that actually do, almost dimmed my monitor. It was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad.
2: What were his second films he did when? Oh, we Seven did, Seal, did and, Seven uh, Seal and Seven Seal and Heavy Metal. Oh, Heavy Metal, yeah.
1: Heavy Metal could have been. Yeah, it's Seven Seals, brilliant. It's yeah, Seven Seals. Heavy Heavy Metal didn't age well. No, no. actually, what well, I saw, it I think in eighty one at the theater. I did not. It wasn't that good then. But again, I mean, what are they doing? They're they're doing you know, maybe it's cartoon strips and and this crazy futuristic stuff with a lot of jiggling and. It, it was revolutionary a lot for the of jiggling. Team. There was a lot of jiggling in that movie. Yeah, there, was there was a lot was of jiggling in that movie. Tremendous jiggling.
3: We have discovered jiggling.
1: animation to watch the female form <laughs> jiggle. But yeah, you know what? Good for them and you know, put out an animated movie that's not uh, a Disney, good for you. That's why it made money. <clears throat> well, eventually, anyway. <laughs> it made money eventually who uh how, okay this doesn't necessarily need to uh, air but who have been some of your guests that brought some some polarizing films to you guys well the, my so buddy, this is the shout out moment steve where my well, check out this episode and
0: well my buddy mike uh who brought six string samurai mm-hmm. um also brought uh, Delicatessen
1: uh that's french isn't it yeah it's uh, uh there was a cannibal movie
0: yeah june and caro yeah uh
1: yeah i remember that and then uh you ever see eating Raoul? oh the yeah for a while yeah D- did you ever see eat the rich no lemmy's in there. have you seen have you seen castle keep oh that's a good one castle keep castle keep I've, I've never even heard of castle keep what is that it's a Waltz, right? uh, it's a that's it was one of
0: Walt's one of Walt Simonson's picks. It's a um I can't remember the year now, but it's uh it's a war movie with uh with burt Lancaster and uh a, a big cast and it's just it's it's fucking crazy town. It's <laughs> really it's this it's Never a, even heard of it. It's a really strange, strange, strange film for for a war movie. I mean it's it's got such a weird feel. It's, it's, it's almost. It's like a war movie. If you imagine it being directed by Salvador Dali. Huh. You know, not necessarily visually so twisted, but just the, the, the sense of the film as you go through it. Just there's so many different weird things
1: that it does. Who, who is the director?
0: Uh,
1: good and, question. and did they do anything else?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Castle Keep castle Keep. uh oh yeah King. it was
0: directed by Sidney pollock uh, i've heard of him <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah very very strange movie
2: uh, yeah i'm trying to think of other ones that i really didn't like At
0: the end of the day it was difficult to process sucker punch correctly
2: i love that
1: movie
0: we
2: yeah. saw that together i think joe
1: Visually yeah, visually it's a lot of fun, but um I like the story too. I mean it's it's kind of derivative, but it's uh, it's very much Pincher Martin that, that William Goldman wrote. Uh, William Goldman, of course, later did Lord of the Flies, but Pincher Martin was a novel he did where a paratrooper goes into the water and then spends a chapter or two trying to get out of his parachute and then swims to shore and lives off of the island uh trying to survive uh, very much pre Tom Hanks Castaway. This was, I think it was in the fifties. He did this maybe the sixties. And of course it turns out he uh spoiler alert. He, he died, died his, during the yeah. pa- the parachute drop and it was all. Oh, so Kirk, it's a occurrence at the
0: Owl Creek bridge again.
1: Oh yeah. Well, okay. b- before occurrence right. at the Owl Creek bridge, I'm pretty sure. Well, when did Ambrose write that? Oh, that's a good question. I don't even remember us covering Sucker Punch. Yeah, and it was Dad, uh, it?
0: Lucky McKee. Dead Presidents and Sucker Punch.
1: Oh, Lucky oh. has done a bunch of uh, uh, yeah. shit with uh, Ed Lee. Yeah, and he's... all he uh... Lee Nichols. You guys know Ed Lee? Do you know Jack Ketchum? Oh, uh, yes, um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, Lucky yeah. has some Jack Ketchum and some Ed Lee. I think yeah, he he's good friends good with uh, with him. He died.
2: Well, was good friends with him. (laughs) I know one that was polarizing, uh, Prince of Darkness. Well, polarizing because Latham hated it. Yeah, that movie's fucking garbage.
1: Is that something we saw in the theater together again? No, I never saw it until we did it on the podcast. Really? Yeah, I saw that at Century One, Two, Three. Ah, one, yeah, on uh, Roselle and Golf, right? Golf, yeah, now it's a Harlem furniture. No, now it's a uh, something else, uh, Japanese buffet. Or it was before COVID. I, century hey, Joe. Yeah. Uh, just as a as
0: a, as a follow-up, Occurrence of the Owl Creek Bridge was written in 1890.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ambrose <laughs> Ambrose Beers did it early, early, early. So, yeah. Uh, Goldman ripped him off.
0: <laughs> so, thanks to Festly and Music. Uh, please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Or you can always listen to new episodes at CinnamonTopod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at Pod. For Hassan Godwin, Lathan Conger Third, Joe Conrath, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and monster hunter, Truman Burbank,
1: good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Out.
2: Okay. Well, well
1: right. Moxie is terrible. It's really terrible.
3: <laughs>
1: I don't know. That's want terrible. Moxie. All these other movies are great, but Moxie
3: is a bad soda. <laughs> <laughs>